Welcome to the G3 Podcast, a weekly podcast focused on the Christian life where we examine doctrinal and cultural issues that impact God's church. My name is Josh Bice, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jeremy Voilo. Well, it's been a long time coming. We've been telling people that we were going to start a podcast with G3, and so here we are today with our very first podcast, Jeremy. So how are things over in Los Angeles? Things are good. I'm excited that this is happening. It's it's actually happening. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a long time coming. We've been chatting about this and we want to begin with our first podcast to just sort of introduce ourselves to the audience that might be listening. We want to uh, tell a little bit about who we are. So I'll just begin by uh, just talking a little bit about who I am, and then I'll turn the mic over to you to let you introduce yourself. But um, those that might have been around the G3 for some time now will note that uh, back in 2013, we started a conference on our local church campus which really was intended to be an encouragement to other pastors. It was uh, really intended to be a means of encouragement to other believers, really in the metro Atlanta area. And so really, I anticipated that there would be somewhere around maybe 200, 250 people that would come. And that was in January of 2013 on the theme of the gospel. And what happened was quite interesting. We ended up shutting down registration in that first year, uh, sometime about mid-December, so about three or four weeks before the first conference. And we had a sold-out conference that first year. So and that was right about 700 and to 750, I think, total people on campus. And then moving beyond that January, each year we would have uh, that same problem. We would end up selling out and then we would have to have a waiting list established. And then that would continue until 2017 when we moved to the convention center where we currently meet over across from the airport in Atlanta. And we went from about 750 to 2,500 in that first year, and it's just continued to grow. And so this whole thing that we call G3 was never really my plan. I mean, although I was involved with the organization, although I was a part of the dreaming of what we know as G3 today, really, if it were up to me, uh, it would have been this small thing, but God had other plans. And so uh, through the years, I just tried to steward the ministry for the glory of God. And interestingly enough, occasionally through the years, I'll have people that'll say, hey, Josh, can we go have coffee? Can we chat a little bit? Of, you know, we're thinking about starting a conference. And we want to know, you know, how to do things properly. And I know what they're asking. They're looking for the secret sauce, so to speak. Huh, you know, yeah. they're looking for the blueprint of G3. And so as we begin on this first G3 podcast, I want to just lay the cards out on the table and say without any doubt whatsoever that G3 exists for the glory of God. And it was all for God from the beginning. And so we prayed and God did something extraordinary. And so I can't take the credit for it. I simply praise God for what he's done. And we have a heavy emphasis on the local church and want to strengthen believers. And so that's sort of, you know, what we're doing even in this podcast. And it's so exciting, though, to see what's going on with G3. Now, I jumped on the G3 bandwagon a couple of Januarys ago. That was the first in 2018 that uh, I attended the G3 with my wife. And it's 
just been incredible to get connected with not only you and the church there at Praise Mill, but all the people surrounding G3 who are serving in G3, speaking at G3, attending G3. What really excites me, Josh, about this conference is, like you just said, the centrality of the local church, the focus on just everyday living of the Christian life. There's not this sensationalism. It's, yes, come to the conference, meet like-minded believers, but really get equipped to go back and to serve in your local church. I love that. And I love the excitement that's surrounding that. Uh, and it's as it's kind of been gaining momentum year after year, it's exciting to see what God's doing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let me just begin by sort of tracing how we have arrived here. So just me personally, I grew up in this very community that's just west of Atlanta, Georgia, in Douglasville. And as a boy, I grew up in the home of, uh, it was a broken home. So my parents divorced when I was five. And here I was confused, just extremely confused growing up. Uh, my grandfather took me to church uh, during that time of uh, a very intense custody battle between my mother and father. And I heard the gospel and I saw some some things that were modeled that I would certainly not agree with today. But there was a, a true intention on their part to teach me the gospel. But yet I saw you know, children going to the front at the end of a service and they were, you know, praying a prayer with the pastor. And I thought, well, if that's what they're doing, then that's certainly what I need to do. So I went down and I prayed and I did exactly what the man said to do. And they told me that I was a Christian. And so from that point forward, uh, just throughout my early days as a young boy, and then eventually through my teenage years, I would look back and say, well, I asked Jesus into my heart when I was six years old and then uh, was uh, you know, baptized about age seven, but there was really not genuine fruit in my life. And so I would have intense seasons of doubt and people would just say to me, well, uh, that's just the devil, you know, causing you to doubt your salvation. And so that was sort of my, my journey until uh, post-college, I graduated college and I went to the University of West Georgia, studied uh, business information systems with an emphasis on uh, developing websites. And I was working for a printing company and uh, doing some web stuff and, and design work for him. When I uh, heard the gospel preached on the internet and God suddenly caused me to be born again, and it was just this wonderful uh, as, as if the you know just all of the the doubt and all of the the worry and fear that I had struggled with for so long was suddenly gone, and there was a a desire for God that I had never had before, a desire for His Word, and I would go through a time where I would evaluate what what it was that God wanted me to do with my life, and you know I would I would wrestle through whether I should just be you know, faithful in the business world and then serve the Lord in the local church? Or was God truly calling me to preach the word? And the more that I would evaluate and pray and meditate on the word, I couldn't escape that God had actually called me to preach. So I would start the process of setting things in order so that I could, you know, be released from my job and then eventually attend seminary. And so uh, eventually I would quit the job. I would move to Louisville, Kentucky. I would go to the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, 
And I ended up pastoring almost right out of the shoot. I, I was called to pastor a small church there uh, just south of uh, the campus in, in Louisville, about 50 miles south. So my entire seminary life consisted of me pastoring a small church and then driving into the seminary and studying and sort of just uh, learning in the classroom, but learning also in the field at the same time. And then in God's strange providence, after pastoring out of state for about seven years, uh, the Lord would end up moving my family back to Douglasville, Georgia, to pastor the very church where we were nurtured and where we were encouraged as children. So my wife and I both grew up in this church, Praise Mill Baptist, just west of Atlanta, Georgia. So here we are now, uh, just finished nine years, and God has really been gracious to us. It's just been a privilege, a unique opportunity. So this is sort of my journey, but I think it would be really good just to hear about your journey as well, Jeremy, to talk to us about how you came to faith in Christ and how you were eventually called to pastor and and to uh, engage in pastoral ministry. Yeah, so my upbringing, uh, I was raised in a Christian home. Uh, My mother and father to this day are the two godliest people I know, two of the godliest people I know. They're just remarkable uh, testimonies of of what it means to be a Christian. So I was raised in a tremendous home, theologically rich, a a warm, loving home. Uh, So, you know, I had the experience, I think a lot of children who perhaps have been raised in such homes would have um, at different points. I, I wrestled with my own heart desires, wanting to know, do I really love the Lord? Um, is this in my heart or my head? Am I just kind of obeying my parents to be the good kid? Or do I really want to serve Christ and, and delight in Him? At five years old, I had a a moment where I just realized that I was in in Satan's kingdom, that I was not a child of God. And um, I cried out to God to save me that night. I remember it very well. I was at five years old. Um, if you were to ask my parents, they might say that's when I was converted. Uh, but, you know, just the the wrestlings of especially being a teenager, um, wanting the, the approval of my peers, uh, got caught up in various sins, had another kind of wake-up call at 16 years old, where I really just saw that sin had crept into my life and in ways that I, I hadn't noticed, and it, it, God just kind of opened my eyes in in conviction uh, of all that sin. Um, and then again, it, it was the start of college. I, I was just with a bad bad crowd, uh, doing foolish things, acting uh, foolishly, and um, at 20 years old, I had a real low point. Um, I was just kind of in the party scene at life, or uh, party scene at college, and realized that okay, I've got to make a decision here. Either I call myself a Christian and I act like it, or I run after the world. And um, at that point, uh, God really uh, cracked me over the head, so to speak, with discipline, opened my eyes to some of the patterns of sin. And and from that point on, 20 years old, I, I really began to see a lot of growth in certain areas that uh, had come to uh, become habits in my life, habits of sin. Um and it wasn't long after that, actually. Uh, I was midway through college at that point. It was towards the end of my college uh, career that I began to feel this this pull toward toward ministry, perhaps. And yet, uh, my life goal had been to be a professional soccer player, so that's all I wanted to do. 
Um, and so ministry was kind of a thought in the back of my mind, but I was really committed to becoming a professional. And that's what I did. First year out of college, I signed with a team in Finland, uh, moved over there. Um, and it was during that year that I met some Christians and we're having Bible study, meeting as a church. And I really began to feel this, this desire for ministry where I wanted to pastor people. I wanted to get in the trenches of life with people and open God's word and see how does it apply to uh, your marriage? How does it apply to you being a father and a friend? And uh, I wanted to to shepherd people. And so this this burgeoning desire for ministry was was growing and rising in my heart. But I had this conflict because here I was starting my professional career of what I dreamed of my whole life, and I didn't want to be distracted. Um, well, it was it would proved to be four years as a professional before the overwhelming desire for ministry just consumed me and I had to preach the gospel. Um, and so at the time I was playing soccer in San Antonio, I was attending a church there and the weekend I retired, uh, the next weekend I was asked to go to Laredo, Texas and oversee a small church plant. And I ended up doing that, becoming their pastor and spending four and a half years there uh, I got married. My wife, Ginger, moved to Laredo with me. Uh, we had a little daughter there last summer, Felicity. She's now uh, around 15 months old. And uh, this past summer, God made it very clear that he was He was taking us in a different direction. After four and a half years pastoring the church, uh, he led us to Los Angeles, California, where I am now attending full-time the Master's Seminary, uh, working on the MDiv. I never really had time for the seminary degree in between soccer and the unexpected call to ministry in Laredo. And so I felt like it was time to pursue that now. So here we are in, in beautiful, sunny Los Angeles and uh, working on the campus of the church here and, and studying uh, God's word. So it's a really special season for us. Um, and I guess you and I met, Josh, didn't we? Um, what? My goodness, nearly three years ago now, is yeah, it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and it, you know, as we we met initially, we we sort of hit it off. We have uh, just a passion and a love for preaching and for the church, and you know, just to be able to connect and hear one another's journey of faith and how God has redeemed us and called us to this work of preaching has been something that's sort of brought us together. You might say. Yeah, and I remember the first time we sat together, uh, G3 had just ended, uh, we were in your living room, and I just remember thinking, man, I'm, I'm, I'm clicking with this guy. We're, we're, we're on the same page theologically, our passion, our desires. Um, it's just been really exciting. Uh, but in the, in the whole G3 world, what I'm realizing is that it, it, there's just a like-mindedness. People coming from different places around the world, um, different cultural customs, different backgrounds, different churches, but there's a passion for God's truth. And in an age where God's truth is being walked on, where God's scriptures are being ignored, and there's there's a lot of um, capitulation, there's a lot of compromise, just to be in this world meeting like-minded believers who are committed to God's truth. Very exciting for my wife and I, and we've loved getting to know you and your family and and look forward to our annual visit to to freezing cold Atlanta in January. Uh, yeah, it, it typically is cold during the G3 time, but 
but we do have a, a wonderful warmth that takes place as we gather in the, you know, in the sessions together, as we sit under the preaching of the word, it's almost as if the pulpit is ablaze. I like that. As we think about uh, not only who we are, but the purpose of this very podcast, we're going to take a, a bit of a commercial break. We'll be right back and we'll talk about why it is that we are passionate about the local church. So we worship the God who is holy. We worship the God who is righteous. We worship the God who pours out his wrath. And at the same time, we bow ourselves in humble adoration because we deserve that wrath too. But he saves us in spite of that. The church of Jesus is redeemed and called to worship God. Therefore, worship matters. This January, we will gather for a very important conference on worship in which we will address important questions like, is God concerned with how we worship Him? As we consider the different ways in which we worship God, from the public reading of Scripture, prayer, the preaching of God's Word, the singing of psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, is anything optional? Are we free to rearrange, reinvent, or repackage worship to accommodate cultural trends or the preferences of people? We must not overlook the privilege of worship. Not only does God receive our worship, but as a result, we are changed and transformed as we engage in the worship of our triune God. Look at this. You will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. Do you see this? Well, I don't want any of that doctrine stuff. Well, then you, you have to go to hell. What we believe will determine our eternal destiny, the doctrine, the teaching that we hold to. Why do we study doctrine? Our life depends upon it. Join us this January as we will enjoy fellowship, spiritual growth, and the worship of God at the 2020 G3 Conference. For information and reservations, visit g3conference.com. Well, I'm really getting excited about this upcoming conference, Jeremy. It's going to be wonderful as we gather and talk about worship, as we think about the subject itself, the theological foundation, the practical implications, all of it. I'm really thrilled to gather this January with everyone for the sessions, for the preaching, for the breakouts. It's just going to be a phenomenal time. And let me just say, if if for those of you listening, if you haven't attended G3 before, um, it's difficult to describe, but there's something special about that fellowship. Not only the lineup of the preaching, and you're going to get God's word, you know, no fluff, but the time of fellowship is really sweet around the the table, eating, um, meeting new people. Every year I go, I just meet so many new people that I'm texting throughout the year, keeping a relationship with. And for those of you listening who have attended G3, you don't need us to tell you, um, you've experienced it. And so yeah, uh, it's a really special time. Yeah, it, it, it really is. And I think about, you know, something that you made a statement a moment ago about actually coming to the conference. There is something different 
about coming to the conference versus just watching it on a live stream. For instance, I think back to what J.I. Packer said about sitting under the ministry, the under the preaching ministry of Martin Lloyd-Jones. He said it came to him with the force of an electric shock. He said, I had never heard such preaching. And then if you think about Lloyd-Jones, Lloyd-Jones's own idea was, was just completely against this idea of recording his preaching. He felt as if you can't contain the lightning and the thunder through a recording. And there's something to be said about that. When you think about the fact that you could actually record thunder and you could listen to it through an audio recording, but there's something different when you sit under the clapping of that thunder out in an open field, for instance. And so I would say to anyone who is, you know, just sort of sitting around watching the G3 on your computer each year, but you've never been, that would sort of be the way that I would describe it to you. There's something unique about sitting under the preaching of these various men who will be taking the pulpit each each year. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we, we obviously love technology. Here we are recording a podcast. Um, technology is good, and it's spread the gospel into places that we perhaps could never have imagined it would go. So obviously, we take advantage of that. But but Lloyd-Jones is absolutely right. There's there's nothing like being under the live preaching of God's Word. It's really the same conversation we have when we hear people say, well, I don't need to go to church. I just have church in my bedroom. You know, on a Sunday morning, I wake up and I pick mm-hmm. my favorite podcast, or I pick my favorite YouTube preacher, and I, I listen there's there's good that can come from the truth being being put out uh, on the internet and the recordings and um, there's some people who aren't able to attend. There's just no way for them to attend. It's the only access they have to that truth or to that conference. But if you're able to go, you're missing out on so much if you don't. True for the conference, but so much more true for the church. And I know we can talk about that. Um, but, but man, you, you miss out on the fellowship, you miss out on the power of the preaching. There's, there is an element. I mean, if we believe in what preaching is according to God's word, then the preacher is merely a conduit for the very voice of God. So insofar as the preacher is accurately representing the text, God is speaking and God is present in a very special way with the the gathered church. And so there's nothing like being in attendance. Um, Absolutely. And when we think about, you know, why it is that we're actually doing this podcast, for instance, why is it that we are uh, passionate about the local church? You know, it wasn't, but maybe a couple of years ago that uh, a gentleman reached out to me and he said, you know, I want to, I want to talk with you. I want to have coffee with you. And he had been to a G3 conference and he was living locally here in Atlanta. And so as we met and as he talked over the course of about a half hour, he started to articulate his journey. He had been sent out from his local church to the mission field. He had gone over and served in a, in a, in a different country. And, and after returning back to Atlanta, his theology was radically different. But because of the fact that his theology was different, he didn't feel that he could go back to the sending church. So I asked him, I said, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm, I'm really just sort of listening to podcasts. I'm just listening to various preachers. I'm listening to those who speak at G3. 
And, and then as we talked more, he started to then become a little bit more comfortable with me. And he said, you know, if I'm honest, he said, I'm even struggling with my own conversion and, and I'm struggling with, with sin. And then when he asked my advice, I said wow. to him, yeah, I said, man, I think the reason that you're struggling with your conversion and the reason that you're struggling with sin is because you're not under the authority of anyone within a local church. You're not under the authority of, of the leaders of that church. You're not being held accountable by that church. You don't have the resources, the network, the family life of a local church, and that's what you're starving for. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's it's well, he's missing out on that means of grace. Absolutely. God has God has given the church as a gift. Yeah. And when you talk about the means of grace. Uh, be more specific. Let's 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 talk about that. So, what's what does God desire for His people within the life of the church, as far as being nourished and strengthened and built up in the faith? Yeah. So, so obviously, the Lord uh, provides grace in salvation. When we talk about the means of grace, we're not talking about salvific grace, like there's some way for us to attain God's salvific grace. What we're talking about is the sanctifying grace of God, the grace that he pours out upon the saint to to live the Christian life and be progressively transformed into the image of Christ. And so you've got all of these channels pouring into the Christian soul, these, these means of grace, these channels from God to the Christian that are transforming them into Christ likeness. And you've got the means of grace of of reading scripture, of prayer. But one of the primary means of grace is the church. How does the church operate in the Christian's life to transform them more and more into Christ's image? Mm, yeah, and that's a really good point. And as we think about Ephesians 4, when it talks about the fact that the body, we are one body, uh, and, and then it, and it goes on down, it talks about the fact that you know, that, uh, that God has gifted his church with pastors who would be used for the equipping of saints for the very work of ministry. And then in that passage, in, in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16, you will see the word body used like four different times. And the emphasis that Paul is, is sort of making is that that we need to realize that the body actually matters. In other words, we can't just be some some sort of disconnected, roaming rogue, lone ranger yes. Christian. You know, we actually need the church. Oh, absolutely. And and it's the same illustration he uses in First Corinthians twelve, where he's talking about uh, the body and how we're members of the body. And Josh, I love this phrase that the Apostle Paul uses in First Corinthians twelve twenty two. He's speaking about the weaker parts of the body or those that seem to be weaker or seem to be less desirable. And he says this, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, meaning mm. that every member that God has sovereignly ordained to be part of his body, the church, is an indispensable member, which means if you're neglecting the local church, not only are you hurting yourself, but you're actually damaging the local church, which needs you to fully function. Yes, the local church will continue without you, but it will not function as it could 
or honestly, as it should without you, actually being a part of it and using your gifts to serve in the, the context of that church. Yeah, each Lord's Day, when we have guests who are there, we have uh, special, you know, uh, uh, ushers who actually hand out these little visitor cards. And we ask from the pulpit for those who are guests there with us on the Lord's Day worship, just to fill that out so that we can have some sort of an idea of, of why it is that certain people are visiting with us. And one of the questions on that visitor's card is actually this, are you a church member? And then circle yes, no, and then where, so that we can know if you're coming from a church here in this community. We just simply need to know that. And, you know, for the pastors that have, you know, a good relationship here in this community, we like to be able to talk to one another and send those pastors to care for the sheep uh, within that local context. So that's really the purpose. But interestingly, yesterday we had someone who actually said this. They said, um, when they were asked uh, if they were a member of a local church, they circled yes. And then when we said where, this was what they said. We are a member of the body of Christ, no buildings. Interesting. No buildings. So what they were what they were trying to say is that they don't believe in being uh, formally a member of a local church. But when we talk about being a member of the local church and we talk about the body of a local church, we're not talking about brick and mortar. Right. We're not talking about stained glass windows and steeples and, and all of that. What we're talking about is being accountable and being a part of the functionality of what the Bible actually calls a local church. Uh, in other words, what the Bible calls the ecclesia, to, to use the biblical language, the actual Greek term, which is a called out assembly. And so I really like what Donald Whitney says. He writes this, he says, as wonderful and sophisticated as the heart is, it was never made to be just a heart, but a part of the body. It has no value to the body outside the body. And the heart itself can't thrive outside the body. As incredible and wonderful as you are, Christian, you were never made just to be an individual Christian, but a part of body. As every organ and every cell is God created to be an active member of the human body, so every true Christian is God created to be an active member of a local body of Christ, end quote. That is so good. And and we've got to admit that even as we read our New Testaments, I mean, what he's saying is he's drawing from that picture of the body, but you you can't read your New Testament and get any other impression. I mean, you just can't. There's 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 dozens, literally dozens of one another duties that we're given to obey week in and week out that are impossible unless you're part of that local congregation. There, how, how do you have, as a pastor of the local church, how do you obey the commands, the repeated commands, to oversee those in your charge to care for their souls? I mean, you go through the New Testament, mm -hmm. and we've just got to admit, if we're, if we're honest, I, I can't obey the, the New Covenant imperatives of Christianity without being part of a local congregation. It, it's just it's just screaming at us that this imagery, that, that we are a member of something. Yes, universal, absolutely. 
but definitely local. Mm. Yes, absolutely. And then when we think about the way that the body functions, for those that might have this idea that they just show up on the Lord's Day and then they pop back out, then they come back maybe a couple of weeks later, that sort of thing. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, there's this idea that's become very common within evangelical circles is that we just come together to watch the preaching, to watch the singing, to watch the attending, to watch the giving, to watch the serving, to watch the learning. But meanwhile, they're just sort of a spectator. So what I like to say to people when they sort of, you know, have that that mindset about the local church is that Jesus never called us to ecclesiastical spectatorship. He actually called us to church membership. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I'm going to steal that. Can I steal that from you? Yeah, yeah, you can definitely have it. But but here's the thing though. We're not judges of like American Idol Church where we're just coming together to see if we can get the goosebumps, if we can feel the right feeling or whatever else. Yeah, but that's American Christianity. That's what that's what the kids want though, Josh. We got to give them what they want. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know that you're in Los Angeles and things are a little <laughs> bit different in Los Angeles, right? But well, don't forget I'm at Grace Community Church here with with Pastor John. That there's there's no seeker sensitive thing about this and and that's that's where we really need to check ourselves don't we and and to see have we been more conditioned by the world than we have by the word i, I mean who's really shaping our yes. ecclesiology and all that means is our church life who's our who is shaping our theology of church the the world or god's word and we really need to come back to some very basic realities about God's word. And, and you and I are, are really focusing on being a part of the local church as, as an individual member. We've got to come back to some of those basic realities. You read your New Testament and these things are just assumed. It's just assumed they're part of the local church. It's assumed they're part of a part of this body. That, read the epistles and to whom were they written? To the churches at, to the church at. It's written to local congregations that that reflect the the, the broader uh, universal church. And something mm-hmm. you said just a minute ago, Josh, is something I often harp on pastorally: is the mindset coming to church, actively uh, engaging how you're going to behave at church. And I've said this to to my congregation in Laredo when I was pastoring there is. Imagine on a Sunday morning, you, you show up, everybody's there, the service is ready to start, and I, I, I don't show up. The pastor is not there. Well, it would cause a bit of a, a, a problem. People would say, well, who's going to lead the, the, the worship and who's going to preach? And I guess we've got to scramble and somebody else can grab a sermon and get up there. And, but it would, it would create a lot of confusion. And I always ask them, I say, on Monday morning, would, would our church still be here? Well, yeah, it would still exist. We wouldn't fold as a church. But it wouldn't have functioned as it could have, nor should have, if I just decided not to come. And yeah. that's exactly what Paul's saying in First Corinthians 12, as it's true for every member. And so honestly, we either don't know that, or we just don't believe it. We, we just don't believe that we are that important, yeah. but we need yeah, to. Yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic point. 
And, you know, people have become so, you know, uh, accustomed in, in many ways to treating the church as if it's like the, the local, you know, uh, chess club or bowling club or maybe a, a, a local ball team. You know, if, if I don't like the ball team here uh, at this particular little league area here, then I can just go across town and, and, and just join another one. And so they just sort of have this consumerism mentality to the local church. And, and really, I think what we need to know is, is as we derive our view of the church and our doctrine of the church from the pages of the scripture is that we would say that church really isn't about us. It's really not about us but it's primarily about God. And then the, the horizontal benefits of friendships and accountability and the networking and all of the opportunities for uh, engagement in, in, in these wonderful, rich friendships is a byproduct of what church actually is about. It's about God. I, I recently sat with a pastor and we were discussing these issues. And he made the statement to me, I'll never forget it, uh, I had said something in the midst of the conversation about how we, in in worship, in church, we are there to glorify God, primarily. And he, and he said towards the end of the conversation, hey, Jeremy, you mentioned the purpose for worship as a church. And so I said, yeah, and I, I repeated that. He says, yeah, I don't, I don't agree with that. Um, God already has all the glory. Uh, we come to worship for ourselves. We come to church for us. And I, I was staggered by it. I couldn't believe it. But really, that is the predominating thought process, whether people articulate it or not, but they're really coming to church for them. I've had a tough week. I need a boost. I'm in the dumps. Give me something, preacher. Now, we shouldn't neglect that. We do benefit, but we are not the primary beneficiaries. When we come to worship, we are primarily, we must be primarily focused on giving to God the glory due his name. And wonderfully, because God has created us to glorify him, we benefit. And so mm. so we leave uh, uplifted, encouraged, edified, strengthened, but mm. only as as secondary beneficiaries. Yeah. The high point of our week should be that gathering with the local church on the Lord's day. It should be the high point. And we want our, Absolutely. we want our children to know that. And so that's what we're trying to do within our family. I know that's what, you know, you're trying to do within the context of your family as well. And I think that this has been a, just a wonderful way for us to kick off this G3 podcast for us to say to people that we are very passionate about what's happening with G3 we're going to be talking more about that in the weeks to come. Obviously, we're thrilled about this upcoming conference in January on the subject of worship. But each January, as we gather for the G3, uh, we have that pulpit there, and we come out and we make some you know, remarks by way of introduction, and we set the stage for what's going to happen that weekend. But then the very last thing that we say is usually some sort of exhortation, and, and usually it's me and I will say something about the fact that we are to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our labor is not in vain in Christ Jesus, and that this pulpit in just a few minutes will be loaded onto a truck and be transported back to our local church 
where we will put an emphasis for the remaining part of this year. And so we want to encourage the attendees to come, to be encouraged at the conference, but yet to put a heavy emphasis on their involvement, their engagement in a local, tangible, visible New Testament church. And I love that about the conference. I always leave every year reinvigorated, excited to get back to the local church and to be a part of the body and to live out uh, so much of what's been learned over those those uh, jam-packed uh, three days of conference. Absolutely. Well, it's been a privilege to talk with you today. Looking forward to this uh, podcast in the coming days, the coming weeks. And if you're interested in joining us for this upcoming conference in January, you can find out more information at g3conference.com. We would love to have you join us for fellowship, for the, the singing of the gospel. We, we've also just recently released information about the pre-conference, which we're thrilled about. We're going to have uh, Keith and Kristen Getty there, along with Bob Coughlin, Philip Webb, Devin Coughlin, Chris Anderson, and others who are going to be teaching on the importance of singing the gospel for the glory of God. And then after that supper break, we're going to come back for a full Getty concert. You can find out more information on our website at g3conference.com. We would love to not only see you, but to be able to fellowship with you, to be able to worship with you, and our team would love to serve you at this upcoming G3 conference. May God bless.